You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. I'd like to begin the proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful in the legacy of the ancestors into our lives. I call out to these people that have been here before. Those who met the challenges of their time and we ask for them to share their wisdom with us, to share that which they learned from living their life in a good way, from meeting challenges, not just being perfect people, but meeting the challenges of their time, making mistakes and being willing to learn from the life that they lived. So we reach out to those ancestors, those that bring this legacy to us and we ask them to help us to engage with them that we might draw on that legacy to help to inform us in our time, to help us to be better able to rise up to the challenges before us, even though we will certainly make mistakes along the way, but to rise up in a way that we can do what needs to be done for those who are coming. May the ancestors support us in what we need to do in our time to support the great web of life. And so let us reach through those human ancestors into nature itself, into those beings that were here long before there were people and will be here long after. Let's reach out to these spirits of nature in their many, many forms and the great diversity of that spark of life manifest all around us in enormous beauty, diversity, abundance. We call out to these ancestors to reach into our lives to help us to remember our own true nature, to help us to find our place in the great web of life. And call out to these ancestors to help us to understand our own true nature, that which aligns within us and brings us into right relationship with all living things. And with these ancestors all gathering around us, as we call them in, let us call ourselves in from wherever we might be and draw ourselves from that multitasking experience into our head and from our head into our heart. And take another breath and move from the heart into the belly and from the belly reaching down to the earth. And take a moment and give thanks to the earth. Thanks for all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment for all that is and all that will be. We give great gratitude to the earth for this place in which we each walk the journey of our life, this place in which we engage in life to live out our destiny, and this place that we share with such a diversity of other life. We call out to the earth to hear our gratitude for all of this and more and for the incredible wonder of life itself. And as we settle into our heart and our gratitude to the earth, let us reach our energy down to the very center of the earth, reaching into the center of the earth and connect. To connect with those energies that draw their strength, draw their blessing, draw their power out of darkness, out of stillness and silence, out of solitude. And as we reach into this energy, let us draw it up into our life that it might refresh, renew, and restore us. We call out to this energy that nourishes all life. We call out to this energy that is before all of the abundance that all life on earth shares and enjoys. We call out to this energy in enormous gratitude, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth into our body. And as it rises into our body, let us work with the energy of the earth to understand about our own body. Who are we? Where do we stand? What do we stand for in this life? What does it mean to create a life of that which has heart and meaning for us? What does it mean to live a life that is a life of purpose, a life of justice? 
a life of blessing. So we call out to the energy of the earth to help us to do this, to create a sense of hearth and home and belonging that is not tied into the old story, but is grounded deeply in that which has truth for us, that which has heart and meaning and connection. And let us do this in a way that we begin to open ourselves to those that are other than we are. And in this way, we come to have a better relationship with the strange otherness inside of ourselves. And as we can right relationship with all aspects of ourself, let us come into right relationship with the environment around us, with other living things around us, and with the invisible world. And as we come into right relationship with all things, may we dispel the lie of separation and begin to understand that we are one with all things and to feel this truly in our own heart and mind and belly. And with that awareness, let us rise up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind, reaching up and out the top of our head and out into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you on this day or night. Reaching out through the sky into the atmosphere as it grows thinner and thinner and thinner, reaching all the way out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call this energy, in whatever way you understand it or conceive of it, reach to it and connect with it and draw this energy in. And drawing it into yourself and into your day, into these proceedings and in this way, drawing in the essence energy of blessing and protection, drawing in that which inspires and illuminates the way, that lighthouse in the storm that you are having in your life. We call this energy in that we might connect to the benevolence of this universe and draw in these energies that allow us to commit to devote ourselves to life itself and to devote ourselves to our own destiny. So we call these energies in, drawing them down through all the layers of the sky into our head and our heart and our belly and send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we choose to connect heaven and earth within us, drawing these uh, two great legendary lovers into our body. And let this big love that they share awaken the love in our own heart, that the spirit of our heart comes alive with our own presence and willingness to be there in our heart and feel what is to be felt in our time. And in our heart, may we open that crucible of transformation that lives in the human heart and call up the fiery passions of our belly, Call down the crystal clarity of our mind to draw these energies in at the heart and to let them mix and merge and create that dynamic tension that can give birth to your awakening to why you are here. Maybe it's a memory, maybe it's a sense, a feeling, some dream, something that inspires you, something that in some way lets you know that this is close to your passion, that this is why you are here. And may you find courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into the world in their full manifestation. And for all the spirit help that we all have in doing precisely that, I give great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard here today. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported, and so I would like to give thanks to those of you that support. Um, There are many ways that you support, and I am truly and honestly grateful for all of it. I want to give thanks to James and Cassie, Peter, Chad, Michelle, and all of the new listeners that have begun to donate to the show. There is always um, people moving on and people coming in and the show being found by others as you share the show with people in your life. This constant flow that um, turns over. And so as people are moved by the show and you're moved in the heart, even if you're moved to irritation or frustration or moved into inspiration, I ask you to do something large or small to support the show, to let that movement in your heart motivate your actions in the world. For this thing is the essence of a shamanic way of living in the world. And so I give gratitude to all of you that are donating to the show. If you want to know how and haven't figured that out yet, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. All of the archives are there as well as an opportunity to click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. We are deeply grateful for all of it. It all keeps the show live and on the air and keeps the archives available free to anyone who has access to the Internet anywhere in the world. 
So without you, I could not do this. I'm deeply grateful. And we're grateful to Ken at cocreatornetwork.com, our producer who um, gives us a home for our show. So with that said, um, we're going to dive into a series here of four shows. The first one um, today. And these shows are to get us organized to approach this solstice, be it your winter solstice fire in the northern hemisphere or your summer solstice fire in the southern hemisphere. That um, we'd like to begin to approach this opportunity that we are given every year, actually, with the turning of the seasons. So... If you have questions about today's show, we are live. You're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can also Skype in at the co-creatornetwork.com site. You can um, connect there and Skype in. And you're always welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. You're also welcome to email me there if you would like a regular old terrestrial address for a regular old-fashioned check. Um, that's also fine. You're always welcome to email me there. And information about the classes uh, that are that I offer is also at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So let's get started here. So over the many years of why shamanism now, listeners' response has always been at its highest and most engaged when I have offered preparation for the solstice fire. This is usually focuses on the wintertime uh, solstice fire, largely because in the summertime I'm involved in offering the cycle of transformation teachings and um, – it kind of takes all that I have to offer to do that. And so here in the wintertime, as the cycle teachings wind down for the winter and the community goes into its community solstice work, where we tend the transformation of the community, it gives me an opportunity to think about this larger community, this Why Shamanism Now audience that is around the entire globe. And so... Uh, this is usually done in a sequence of shows because the messages are coming from – the messages about preparation for the fire are coming from the archetypal teachers in the psychocosmology. And they uh, help me to reflect on the particular energies of the solstice at the time, the particular energies going on in the world, also in humanity as a family – and uh, the teachers give us a process to engage in this auspicious time. Um, and, of course, there will be another solstice in six months and another winter solstice in 12. So this cycle just keeps turning round and round. But it is an auspicious time to step into ritual work to help you create change. Well, now, with that said, of course... You don't need to wait for an auspicious time to do ritual work. Ritual work works in and of itself at any time. But we have this opportunity when we sync our timing up with larger celestial um, happenings that can empower our ritual work. At the same time, there is another way that we are learning to empower our ritual work. And from the work that is... Um, been going on globally um, through various organizations. I only know the ones here in the United States, but I assume it's being done in other countries as well, where um, Sounds True, for example, in the Year of Ceremony work, Sandra Ingerman, um, with various online teachings that she offers through the Shift Network and others that Shift Network is producing it's creating this opportunity for us to discover as contemporary human beings with this additional contemporary gift of technology. Um, it's giving us this opportunity to explore what can happen when we connect globally. What kind of transformation uh, can we create when our rituals are not only synced up in the community – synced up with the celestial timing of things, but are also synced up with 
other people on other continents all over the globe. So this is what I would like us to think about this year. If you choose to use these next four shows as a way to prepare you to engage with your solstice fire, whether you're in the north and it's a winter solstice fire or the south and it's a summer solstice fire, to consider no matter where you are, that you're not alone and that others all around the entire globe are journeying on the same questions, challenging themselves to find these things that must die, that must be released into the fire and finding the courage in their heart to open up to the possibility of a new way of being in the world and perhaps to take on true responsibility for helping to transform the challenges of our time. And so I'm inviting you all as you prepare, if you choose to do that with these shows, to consider that you are preparing with others. Imagine them in different countries, different clothing, different time of day different terrain in where they live, different great spirits of the land. But think about the profound diversity of people all over the globe, on every continent. I actually don't know of any listeners in Antarctica. I'll admit that. But I know of listeners in every other continent that this entire globe could participate together, north and south, in a fire ritual. What would that do in each of our individual lives? And what would that do for the family of humanity? Now, to be honest, we don't really know what it would do. But I personally think it's worth giving it a go and to find out. So as long as we have this technology, we need to not be afraid to use it. So let's review what I just kind of covered in that little intro monologue there. Okay, because I always end up getting emails about these things. So let me back up for just a minute. There are multiple shows about all of these topics that I'm going to review here quickly in the archives at whyshamanismnow.com. The beauty of whyshamanismnow.com to get the shows is that you can search. It's not the greatest search situation yet. I'm working on that, but it's a little easier to search than iTunes. (laughs) So, But we are grateful for all of it. Okay. So, ritual and ceremony. Why do we bother? Human beings engage in ritual and ceremony from a shamanic perspective. Okay. Human beings engage in ritual and ceremony because what is before them has become bigger than they can do themselves. And if you look at the challenges literally in our world today, I mean, I'm particularly um, abundant in challenges living in the United States, that uh, the country's pretty much gone to hell in a handbasket. So I have any, any possible choice. I can pick a different challenge every day of the week, frankly, every day of the month. It's such a mess. But we're not the only country challenged with these things like racism and sexism, hatred, greed, the financial system that runs the globe, etc. I need not waste your time. You're all fully aware. Okay, so we have these these issues that frankly feel um, insurmountable. You might find yourself using the word impossible. And what I notice particularly here in the United States is people being crushed by the burden of change that is on us. Now, personally, I don't think that's because the burden is so enormous. And that is basically what this preparation for this particular fire ritual is about. Said those that still feel depressed because Trump won the election, um, those who still feel they can't function in a world that is this toxic with the systems of oppression and just get crushed by it, need to listen to the teachers and uh, the wisdom that they have for us. For the ritual. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Backing up. Ritual and ceremony. All right. Human beings engage in ritual and ceremony from a shamanic perspective to address things that feel impossible in their life. Either because it's simply too big 
for them to deal with or they can understand what needs to happen to deal with it, but they don't have the amount of time or energy to give to that issue. And so they are asking spirit for help. So ritual and ceremony are the big guns in shamanism. They're the great, they're the big tools that allow us to open ourselves up, our human world up to spirit in a very intentional way to ask for specific change through ritual or specific reinforcement of the status quo through ceremony. Both of those acts allow for healing and transformation. So I consider ritual and ceremony to be equally powerful tools. I just use them to do two different things depending on what needs to happen. Now, I am one of the few people that uses the words that way. Um, so you're going to have to discern this for yourself going forward. But that's how I use them and, and work with them in my own shamanic life and in the community. Okay. And so that's basically the difference. We go to ritual when we want to create a change, and it means we are surrendering to spirit for how that change happens. So we can't control it. We're given over to whatever needs to happen, and, and we have to be willing to ride that wave. Okay, With ceremony, there's a lot of repetition in ceremony. There's a sameness and a familiarity in ceremony, and that's what helps us ground things um, and create a status quo. So, for example... My practice at my ancestral altar is almost exactly the same every day because I want the power of ceremony in this little bit that I do every day to grow strong through that repetition. The same place, the same time, the same words. That's the power of ceremony. Ritual, on the other hand, is to change things. For example, the unresolved energy of the ancestors. We would go into a form of ritual to heal that situation, to change it, because we don't want to maintain that status quo. So there's an example of ritual and ceremony being used with the ancestors for two very different functions. Okay, ritual and ceremony. The other thing I said in the little opening uh, intro that people always ask about is why these teachers? Well, if you notice, it's always those teachers, because those are the archetypal teachers that are part of the cosmology of the cycle teachings and the cycle teachings is a coherent cosmology just like Peruvian shamanism has its Quechua cosmology and um, different uh, peoples all around the world all have their cosmologies. Some cosmologies are five element cosmologies, some cosmologies are four element cosmologies, but they're all a coherent cosmology and they, they help the person who lives in that cultural cosmology understand why are we here? What are we relative to the big world here? Where did we come from? What are we, you know, what are we doing and how do we do it? This is all part of a cosmology. So a cosmology isn't upper world, middle world, lower world. That's a commonality. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a cosmology because it doesn't answer the big questions that all come out of, why am I here? What the hell am I doing? Right? How, how, how do I make this life matter? That's the kind of thing that we can engage our cosmology to help understand. Okay, so in the cycle teachings – it is authentic, non-traditional shamanism. So we're not reaching into another culture's cosmology to import their teachers. Instead, we're reaching beyond cultural cosmology out further to the archetypes, the archetypal energies that are informing all of these shamanic cosmologies anyway because the archetypal energies from a shamanic perspective are the true code that exists here in the universe prior to human beings. So it's a very specific use of the word archetype. But this is what the helping spirits have taught me, is that we have our personal helping spirits that we work with, that are unique and individual to us, and then we step into some cosmology that gives shape and form to our shamanic practice and our life, frankly. Okay, and so in the cycle teachings, the four teachers that support transformation and the four teachers that are required for a human to actually engage in conscious transformation are the healer, the warrior, the teacher leader, and 
the visionary. Okay, so that's why in each of these, there's always four shows getting ready for the solstice, right? And each show is from one of the teachers. So we're going to begin today with the healer and their messages for us and how to prepare. Okay, so with that said, in the cycle cosmology, it is a shamanic cosmology, which means in the logic of the archetype, there is always also the crazy logic. So with the healer, the full expression of the healer's wisdom that comes through that archetype is expressed through the healer and death. So today, we're going to be listening to the healer and death. So, for example, the teacher leader is the teacher leader and trickster. Okay. So that's the basics about why these archetypes. So please don't email me and ask me that question. Okay. So why these teachers? The other reason for this is that the spirits are moving us to not necessarily engage with gods and goddesses from other people's cultures because that can be really challenging uh, because of the issue of appropriation. While each individual person may be met by a god or a goddess, a deity of some culture and cultivate a relationship with that individual, that is fine because that's between that individual and that culture, that god or goddess, that's part of that personal relationship with spirit that has to do with that human being, past lives, future lives, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is for cultural cosmology and the cycle teachings are meant ultimately to be a cosmology that would create – that supports a culture, we can't be appropriating other people's stuff. Right, And so consequently, we reach to the archetypes, not because we're better, but because we don't want to steal other people's stuff. And so we're going back to the source and starting over again and drawing the energy of these archetypal teachers in to support us in the cosmology without putting a deity's face on it. And and basically, this is who the deities are in different cultures is – is a way that a human being engages with this big archetypal energy. Okay. So these archetypes, as I said, these four archetypes, there are others in the psychocosmology, but these four are the ones that support us in transformation. Transformation is important uh, because each human being is here to live their destiny. And the successful completion of any hero's journey requires the manifestation of these four energies in the hero, which is why some of your hero's journeys aren't really completing themselves. I get a lot of emails from listeners going, you know, I think I'm doing this. Why isn't it running its course? Well, because many of you are endeavoring to be in, involved in these life-transforming transformations without making sure your four archetypes are all, as I like to say, fat and happy. That they are, your relationships with them are equal and balanced and vital and healthy. Okay. So, yes, shamanism in general is for your own healing. Or those of you that want to email me with the complaint about you keep using the word shamanism, what shamanism do you mean? All right, people. I spent six years researching shamanism on the planet in many, many different cultures to write an encyclopedia. I do get to actually talk about shamanism as a phenomenon that has happened for human beings on this planet because I put in the time. I read the books and I wrote the encyclopedia. So all of you 24-year-olds that are all worked up in arms about people calling themselves shamans and what is shamanism and you're being all um, activist about that, go for it. But don't email me about it. Okay? Shamanism is a gift that humanity shares. It is an, an experience with enough things that are the same culture to culture, even though they do those things differently, the functions are the same. Now, granted, you have to actually understand shamanism fairly deeply to see that, which is why this argument is so incredibly boring and wastes so much time in social media. But the point is the functions are archetypal functions that humans have always needed to engage in here on this planet. And the spirits have always been here to help us. And they help all people equally. And those of us that don't know how the hell to get that help 
can find the skills and technologies to do that in the skills and technologies that shamanic peoples have shared. And the, this is a gift that is given by spirit to humanity as a family. So pick it up and use it. Okay, so shamanism is not only a practice that allows you to gauge with your own healing and that kind of personal transformation, but it is also a practice that is about engaging in the real world as what I would like to start calling the lover activist. Because the kind of activist that a shaman has always been, the shaman has always been a spiritual activist. So the need for that right now is unbelievable. And yet, there is this great history here when you look at shamans and their work um, in their different cultures around the world. And to be this kind of lover activist, that it requires a courageous heart. It requires incredible resiliency and hardiness to sit in the fire of that which needs to transform, like racism, like sexism, like corporate greed and the financial system going on. All of these things need to transform, but we must love them, to sit with them with great resilience and hardiness and have the patience and the practice to cultivate that which needs to live while we are also taking the actions to change that which needs to transform. And of course, part of the lover activist is the person who can discern the difference. So thank goodness, shamanism gives us the ability to connect with spirit, to help us to discern that. Because human beings are easily fooled and distracted and run off after shiny things. Okay. So the world right now is an incredibly challenging place. That there, as you all know, you all have access to the news. You all know that um, this is a very, very hard time for the innocent for the elderly, for the impoverished, for the planet itself and its natural resources, for the animals living in the sea and on the land, in the air, that this is an, there is, uh, no one who couldn't find a cause that would truly move them to help to change the world. And, at the same time that the world is absolutely breaking our hearts in so many ways, humanity, the world's fine, actually. Humanity is breaking our hearts in so many ways. The world is also magical. It is also still the incredibly beautiful, abundant, amazing world of diversity that it has always been. The helping spirits are all still here. Yeah, okay, we're making a mess at that borderline between humans and spirit. But deeper in the spirit realms, all remains well. And those spirits are still happy to help us should we choose to do what we humans need to do to actually engage in that help. The world is amazing. Life is a profound gift. And we have incredible capacity to manifest here in the world. So the question is, which world are you choosing to live in and why? Are you living in the disaster, in the disaster world that's heartbreaking? Is that, are you living in that world? And if you are, why? Why are you choosing to live in that world? Or are you living in the real world that is underneath that which humans are creating that is magical and grounded and connected to nature and the elements and the spirit world and human hearts and the capacity and the power for human beings to make miracles happen with the help of spirit. Are you living in that world? If so, why? So shamanic practice can connect you to that magical world, which is what draws a lot of people to it. But why? Do you use your spiritual life to escape reality? Or do you use it to manifest reality? So 
part of what this ritual is asking is for those of you that have developed some fairly rigorous shamanic and spiritual skills, but you tend to use them to escape reality, to ground yourself here in the real world. This ritual is also asking those of you that tend to live in the disaster world to consider what might you need to do to begin to ground yourself in the magical world. Because the balance that we're looking for here is for you to use your shamanic practice as a means to focus your power to choose the world you will live in. And then as a sovereign being in that world to take responsibility for cultivating that which sustains life and transforming that which no longer sustains life. It's really very simple. It's not easy to do, but it is very simple. What the spirits are are wanting to remind us right now in the face of everything, which is that you can use your shamanic practice as a means to focus your power to choose the world you live in every day and not escape into it, but to use it to support you as a sovereign being to take responsibility for cultivating that which sustains life building it, growing it, manifesting it, and transforming that which no longer sustains life. And obviously an aspect of shamanic practice is having, cultivating the wisdom to discern the difference. So this ritual is for those of you around the globe who are experiencing the profound exposure of Abuse and misuse of power in so many ways, in such great conspiracies and great movement around the earth, right? Those of you who are saying me too or having your heart broken by all of the people saying me too, all the way up to the sex trafficking that's going on around the world of people of women, children, boys of all races – You know, you look at a problem like that, for example. Okay, me too. But now what? What are we going to do to change that situation? We're all becoming, many are becoming more and more aware of the depth and breadth and reality of the situation. And now what? And this is what the spirits are saying to us. You see it. Now what? What are you going to do to manifest a world you want your children to be born into? And and that statement inspires me, and I didn't want to have children. I don't have children, and I, at this point in time, I'm not going to have children. But that's not the point. The point is that sense of you as an adult here in the world What do you want to be known for as an ancestor? What do you want to do with the challenges that were brought before you? And these are the challenges being brought before us in this time. Okay. So, context for the spirits. Message that we're going to be receiving. So you, as a human being... There may be beings other than human listening to this show. So I can only speak for the humans. So you, as a human being, are empowered right now. You always have been. Even when you were a child, even if you were a horribly abused child or a child that experienced profound hatred through racism or any other system of injustice, as a child... As a human, at any time, you are still empowered. You may be deeply threatened and uh, restricted in the use of your power, but you are empowered. It is the nature of being a human. 
My spirits are also reminding us that you are a sovereign being right now. And a sovereign, there are some shows about sovereignty. It's a deep piece of Celtic shamanism, but a lot of people miss this point in life and, sh- and shamanic work. Sovereignty. That you have a right to claim dominion over yourself and the power and with that comes responsibility and that is all a part of sovereignty. But part of the point of being a sovereign is understanding you are the king queen of your own destiny, the king queen of your own life. And that question is, are you ruling your domain with wisdom and compassion? These are sovereignty questions. Okay. So the point is you are sovereign. Even as a child, you were sovereign, although that's a very dubious thing as a child because, of course, we're also dependent at the same time we're sovereign, so it's problematic. But you were still sovereign, and you are sovereign now. So if all of this is true then, this is what spirits are saying, if all of this is true, that you are empowered and you are sovereign right now, every single one of you human beings there on the earth, you're all Sovereign and empowered when you are incarnate. Why does the world look the way it looks? Why does it feel the way it feels every day? Some days magnificent and magical and other days absolutely heartbreaking. If we are empowered and sovereign right now, every single one of us here on the planet, all humans, why does it look this way? Now, it's a rhetorical question. Spirit just wants you to sort of get in the mood here and understand where we're being taken by the guidance of these helping spirits around this particular summer-winter solstice. There are, of course, multiple layers to that question of why does it look the way it looks. It's not simplistic. Nonetheless, the spirits are asking us to begin to engage to begin to engage in the answer, to begin to engage in the what now. How do we begin to take action to change the systems that are breaking our hearts? So what they're saying is on no uncertain terms that these systems must change first within us as we have embodied them internally. And they are going to guide us to use this solstice fire winter and summer, to make those changes. The spirits are saying uh, that our time right now is forcing humans to come to terms with their power and sovereignty by being shown pretty much every single possible way that power and sovereignty could be abused and misused. So, What they're asking us to do, those of us who have shamanic skills and are going to engage in this ritual, is to know it now. Know you are empowered, know you are a sovereign being, and to own it. In this solstice fire, the grandfather, grandfather fire, is calling us out into sovereignty and into empowerment and saying, this is the grandfather saying, opening the fire to you and saying, this is a ritual of endings and beginnings. That the solstice for some will be the longest night and the shortest day, or others the longest day and the shortest night. As we gather around the globe, how do we prepare? What are we ending? What are we beginning? What is necessary to walk through the gate of this ritual? into our empowerment and sovereignty at this time. Okay. So the healer says, my counsel is about tending your own fire. This is no one's job but your own, ever. No one gives you your power. No one gives you your sovereignty. You don't have to take it. You already have it. You have to own what is yours and step up into it. Now, what does that that means to own it as yours and step up into it? What that means is going to be different for every single person around the globe. 
But the spirits, with that understanding, the spirits are still asking us each to live into that, whatever that means for us, wherever we are in the world, wherever we are in our life. So these, this is the healer continuing, these, power and sovereignty, these things are your birthright. They are the human fire shared by all humanity. So here's some journeys to get you in the mood. Journey to see this human fire, your human fire. What does it feel like inside of you? If it's um, not very bright inside of you, accept that. Ask to be shown what it would feel like if you were living the fullness of your purpose. Journey two. Journey to see what happens if the human fires all link up. What does that feel like when these little fires of humanity all around the globe link up intentionally? What does that feel like? Journey three, journey to see the false fires burning all around the world. What do these fires feel like? Learn to discern the difference between false fire and true inner fire. And then the fourth piece here is to ask for a mantra or a prayer, maybe even just a red flag that spirit's going to throw up in the corner of your eye, but some way for you to know the difference day to day, right in your day, for you to know the difference between that false fire and true inner fire. This is important, Healer continues, because false fire cannot transform. And this, this is, this is a critical, important point. That we must know the difference because we can't transform the false fire into true fire. To become true, again, false fire must be extinguished and sunk into the true yin of real emotions, real life, real humanity. To find itself again and to rise from that place into its true nature as true fire. So that's why it's important to discern. Are you tending a false fire? Are you tending true inner fire? Because false fire, you're going to waste your shamanic time trying to transform a false fire into a true fire. The only way to do that is to sink it into the yin, into the true feelings, the emotions, into the deeper nature of things and let it rise again. Okay? So that's why that's important. So we... Going forward, must learn the difference. It's not just about now. It's about the whole new story. So we must learn the difference between false fire and true fire, especially within ourselves. The healer continues. When your inner fire is well tended, the actions that flow from it are humane, empowered, and sovereign. These are the three energies of the inner fire. Humanity. Empowerment. And sovereignty. Okay. So. The healer continued. Are you tending your fire. Or looking to others to do it for you. Your therapist. Your parents. Your spouse. Your children. Are you tending your fire. Or looking to others to do it for you. Question two, are you allowing others to keep you from your fire? Remember, if empowerment and sovereignty are my birthright, then no one can keep me from tending my own inner fire. That's what spirit's pushing us into with the understanding for those of great privilege your issue is going to be around false and true. For those who are experiencing oppression and injustice, your issues are going to be 
how do I tend the truth of my fire in a world that wants me to shut up and wants to put it out and wants to tell me I don't have power and I'm not sovereign. So again, the spirits are well aware that how these questions strike us are very different given where we are in our life, even given where we are in the arc of our life, 22 or 82. But the healer continues. Okay, are you tending your fire or looking to others to do it for you? Are you allowing others to keep you from your fire? And finally, are you turning from your fire yourself? And this, I am sad to say, is perhaps one of the most common. To simply turn from your fire yourself. And we do this in our addictions to intensity, to substances, to emotional states, to mental states. And in the United States, at least, we're a pretty addictive culture. So as the healer's asking these questions, death steps in, which is an aspect of the healer, and says, your old story must die within you first. Then you can change the old story in the world. It is not a process or a transformation. Your power is here now. Your sovereignty is is here now. The new world is here now. Your humanity is here now. So this isn't a process or a transformation or you're going to be at this for forever. Death is reminding you that a true ritual is a death, an ending. This isn't about the transformation for you to come into empowerment or sovereignty. This is about preparing for this fire so that you step through it on the other side into your empowerment and sovereignty and your readiness to bring that to bear on the world. So death has a whole list of journeys for people. So the first journey is simple. Who needs to die in you this winter? And this is a journey, the big journey from death for the Northern Hemisphere, right? Who needs to die in you this winter so that you can step into your empowerment, step into your sovereignty, step into your humanity, and tend your inner fire? Okay. Death says, ah, but for the Southern Hemisphere, your question is, who needs to be born in you this summer? And what is necessary to let that birth happen so that you can be born into your power, into your sovereignty, into your humanity, and tend that inner fire, to give birth to that inner fire, that true flame. Okay, death continues. There's a bunch of journeys here to understand what are the stories that most keep you. These are stories you tell yourself. Yes, you've learned it from your culture, your family, your religion, your time, your whatever. But the point is you're still telling yourself this story in your head. And this this fire is about the death of old stories. So death continues here. Journey to find out what stories have I made up that keep me from tending my inner fire. Oh, so like the one that automatically springs forth for me would be that I don't have time. I've got radio show people. I've got community people. I've got clients. I've got long distance clients. I've got a husband. I've got anybody, right? You all, you've heard it before. It's not even remotely interesting or unique a story. It's frankly a really boring story, but it's a story that I tell myself. That keeps me from doing what I need to do to tend my fire. And this is what death means. These are not arcane, deep, past life, got to run around in 14 journey stories. This is stories you tell yourself every day that you justify because you tell yourself it's reality. You tell yourself it is true. But Healer started this whole thing off by saying, which world are you choosing to live in? 
So back to death. What stories have I made up that keep me from tending my inner fire? What stories have I made up that keep me tend that keep me tending a false fire? Right? I need the money. I need to keep this job so I have the health insurance. I have to do this because I have children. Right? These are stories we tell ourselves that keep us tending a false fire. So death continues, like I said, it's a long list of journeys to take to explore these effectively lies that we tell ourselves that keep us in the wrong world. Okay. What stories have I made up that keep me from my sovereignty? What stories have I made up that keep me from taking action in the world from a place of empowered sovereignty? So the distinction here, for those of you that didn't quite catch that, is what keeps you from your own internal belief in your sovereignty, your own internal relationship with sovereignty and knowing yourself as a sovereign being. The second question is about what keeps you from actually doing it in the world, taking action in the world from that place of empowered sovereignty so that what you manifest in the world empowers others. Encourages sovereignty in others. That is humane and helps to tend the fires, the true fires that need to be tended. Okay, and so finally, death uh, says, what stories have I made up that justifies an excess or scarcity of my humanity? In other words, the kind an excess in humanity would be a person who tells a story about they're so empathic, they've got such a big heart that it's just the world is breaking their heart and so they have to just be depressed all the time. And so that's that kind of story is an excess. The other would be the person that is so heartbroken they can't uh, – they climb up into their head or – um, get addicted to work or do something that creates a scarcity of their humanity. So it's about too much that crashes you, too little that disconnects you, and about finding that sweet spot of engagement that allows you to really settle in and engage with the fact of your humanity and how in listening to that you are guided in making humane choices and humane actions. Okay. So – Encouragement, since this is a lot to engage in and this is only the healer and death talking to us and we got three other archetypes to visit. So anyway, the healer and death conclude their encouragement to explore stories, begin to understand what must I put an ending to in myself and what must I give birth to, what must begin how do I shift the stories in my head, right? Healer and death conclude that we must tend the flame of our full hearts. We must nurture this fire so that you have the ability to love the world as it is, enough to be in it and change it into what it must be. Tend that flame within yourself. And so Healer and Death said, so as you do these journeys and start to sort all this out and begin to understand what your current relationship is with your inner flame, as that becomes clear and some of the things you have to grapple with to make the shifts you need to make, those steps ahead begin to emerge for you. Ask yourself, what help will I need to ask for and what will I need to have faith in? So this is the gift, the beginning, the first steps from healer and death. So why shamanism now listeners are spread around the globe. This show is part one, as I said, and it is offered not only as a way to prepare for your winter or summer solstice fire, but to unite and empower each other's rituals. So keep that in mind, please, as you do these journeys. By opening your heart to the global connection, and clearly visualizing that web of those human fires. You can use this ritual as a gateway to leave your old stories behind and step into the empowered sovereignty that is at the heart of your humanity. 
So I give thanks to these archetypal teachers, to the ancestors that gather around us, to the earth below and the sky above, and the heart that unites us all.